Welcome to the Microsoft 365 Developer Podcast with your hosts, Jeremy Thake and Paul Schaeflein. Each week, you'll catch us speaking to expert developers about new tech, lessons learned, and opinions in this space. Hey, welcome back for another week on the Fantastic Podcast. How you doing, buddy? Good, buddy. I've, we've had, I will do my weather report of Seattle. We've had two weeks of good weather, and the one day I do not check whether it's going to rain overnight, I leave the roof off my Jeep, and my Jeep <laughs> is now a bathtub. Are you sure that you don't need a weather forecast? You just need to know if I leave the roof off, it's going to rain. If I put the roof on, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> At this stage, pretty much. Yeah, there's a lot of learning I need to do and empty my garage so I can just throw my Jeep with the roof off in it, basically, is probably the way to go. But uh, no, it's been good. Excellent. Excellent. So we got a lot of um, high level items to talk about this week. So button in and here we fly through, right? (laughs) Top of the list. And this is the top of the list only because Paul made the list this week. uh, Securing Azure environments with Azure Active Directory. (laughs) (laughs) Of course, that's your priority. This is a this is a big white paper. I how do you find these things? What, how do you plug into those types? Um, it's uh, some blog. Uh, almost all the Azure M365, Office 365 dev blogs that Microsoft puts out are in my my feed list. So I caught this one. Um, and we don't need to talk deep on this one, but it is a rather comprehensive document that covers best practices around delegating administration to your Azure resources and should you have a resource subscription or multiple subscriptions and managed identity and there's one section called non-human identities which i really thought was a great title but um, yeah so if you're struggling to try to understand what microsoft's recommendations are around this it's a great read to go through and uh and see what they're talking about one day identity will make a decision on whether they're going to call it non-human identities robots demons non-interactive yeah I don't know what's wrong with service principles, for crying out loud. That's the name, but anyways, that's just me. Uh, Last week, we posted uh, a link from a community member whose name I'm forgetting and trying to look real quick. Um, Andrew Welch posted about the Microsoft DataFlex announcement. And this week, I found a post on powerapps.microsoft.com blog. And so they talk more about what's coming in, what I'm calling Teams Flex, but it's really called Data Flex for Teams. And so it's, uh, if you're still struggling to understand what this product is or offering is, here's a nice official blog to get you down the right path. Every time I see Data Flex, I just think of like the Bowflex, which is those cheesy ads they have on like ESPN <laughs> for the home yeah. gym that people buy and probably use for a day and never use ever again. Yeah, well, in my head, it's Teams Flex and Power Flex because one's in Teams and the other one's in the Power Platform. So there you go. Maybe I'll start a campaign to make people angry and call it the wrong thing. <laughs> and then there was an article which uh, came out on the Microsoft Search blog around uh, new privacy controls for Microsoft Graph. And it's specifically around, um, and we seem to get this a lot with the European customers because of GDPR regulation, around Delve and the Insight APIs that uh, are available on Microsoft Graph. And there are new mechanisms in the graph now that you can switch on or off the Delve capabilities 
across the M365 user experience and um, either at a user level or an org level. So this essentially meets the requirement of, I don't want to see files trending around people or people trending around people, all, all those kind of views that come up in contact cards and SharePoint Home and the Delve page. And there's all sorts of other places that, that kind of insight shows up. And so these APIs now make it easier for administrators to turn these things on and off. Um, I know Tony Redman replied directly to that post with uh, his own article um, calling out going, IT pros don't really live in APIs. And so we're getting real close to GAing our PowerShell commandlets. And obviously that way the admins would just be using those instead. Yeah, that was the first thing when you were describing this, I was thinking, oh, the PowerShell folks would love this, I think. But uh, yeah, good to go. Yeah. yeah. But so that's been a lot of work um, because there's more and more places where this insights show up, which is essentially what is was known as the office graph back in the day, like five or six years ago. And obviously when the Microsoft graph came along, office graph, Microsoft graph didn't make sense. And so insights was really where we, we home on that bucket of Delve capability that's available on the graph and in the user experiences. Yeah, nice to see that coming up. Uh, next on the list is a couple of uh, single sign-on options. Uh, the first one I saw you, you uh, tweeted about announcing GA of single sign-on for Office add-ins. Yeah, I was excited about this. Whew. If I had a beer for every time partner asked me when this was coming, this has been like five years in the making. I remember announcing Office ad web add-ins when I was in the marketing role. This must be six, five, six years ago now. And SSO was always a big thing that blocked people. Like it's great having an iframe in Outlook or Excel or Word, PowerPoint, but unless I can get back to the customer data, it's useless. And, you know, don't give me pop-ups. You know, it's Jeremy that's logged into the office client. I can see their logo in their photo in the top right. So this is now GA. So you can call the Microsoft graph within those um, web add-ins, which is really, really cool. And then with the team stuff, that's your wheelhouse, right? What what are they announced there? A similar thing, actually. Although this this capability has been around in Teams in varying versions for a while, but this is a, a post on the developer.microsoft.com blog, and there is some configuration you can do with your Microsoft Teams tab into the app manifest that that works similar to how SPFX will do token acquisition for you. I, I, there's differences, and I get that, but from an end user's perspective, I can configure my tab, and then um, I don't have to have – it's the same problem. Uh, if I'm in an iframe in Teams, I don't. I just shouldn't have to pop up a login because you know who I am, so this gets you close to doing that. So nice to, nice to see that moving along. And that was hinted at by our guest this week, along with our next option, is a frictionless app development and enablement with a new Teams app submission API, which I, I can't wait for this to, to GA. The idea, of course, is that I can – an API call that then tells my tenant administrator that, hey, there's this new app that Paul wants to submit into our tenant scoped catalog. And then the administrator then can do whatever he needs to do or she needs to do to, to review it and get it submitted. It solves that problem of end users not knowing who their admin is or randomly updating a zip file that we hope is, you know, nice and not bad. So um, nice to see this API coming up as well. Um, and I mentioned our guest this week, Isabella, from uh, the Microsoft Teams team is going to cover on that. Oh, I, should, I forgot. I'm sorry. I forgot community links this week. So sorry. <laughs> <laughs> 
First one, Ika Bass. Did I say that right? Although I'm for the first yeah, time yeah. ever. She she is awesome. She's uh, a new um, dev advocate in the new M365 dev advocate team, alongside the likes of um, Bob Germain, um, who people will be familiar with and we've had on this podcast before. And is coming back in a couple of weeks. <laughs> and is coming back in a couple of weeks too. Yeah. Um, and so she did a post on um, actually on handling authentication in Teams tabs, but specifically around Graph Toolkit too. And so. Ica's posts are brilliant because there's like so many screenshots and details and like steps through it. Like you can literally do that as a full end-to-end tutorial, which is really, really cool. So I'm I'm excited she's full-time in this role because it just means she's going to be churning out a lot of this kind of really rich content. Yeah, this advocate group, I'm excited that as they ramp up just in talking to Bob. That, we've recorded that already, so we'll, we'll get it scheduled. But the, that, that group is, is tasked with making things easier for developers to consume what Microsoft is cranking out. So... I look forward to all these in-depth articles. The last community link is from an also a, a previous guest and a former coworker of mine, Chris Kent, put together a web page that takes all the Fluent UI icons and he categorized them. Other because right now you can go to the Fluent UI page and if you know the name of the of the icon that you want, you can find it and see what it looks like. But if you don't know the name of it, you have to just kind of scroll through and look at all the pictures. So Chris has done some work to apply some categorization around it, and he created a flicon.io site. And uh, the idea, of course, is that you can then do some searching on categories, searching Android category selection, and he'll show you icons that kind of fit that that mold. So um, nice to see, nice to see that coming around. That is really cool. I've very often had that problem. <laughs> Yeah, so I'm searching for warrior horses and I see none, so I'm going to have to send an email to Chris because that, that's his <laughs> shtick in the in the uh, the PNP calls. Yeah, um, but it's really interesting, right? Because I mean, it, it, the the name of an icon that has um, you know a coffee mug, the name of the icon is called cafe. So you have to t- put in cafe for it to work and not coffee. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. Nice to see that come out there. So good good stuff from the community as well. All right. So this week on the show is a guest that uh, you chased down. Thank you very much. Isabella Lubin, who I forget her title, but she works in the Microsoft Teams organization and she's heading up the uh, developer developer experience on teams she's awesome so it's great to have isabella on great stuff there um the in a couple of weeks we'll have bob german also talking about teams development but but isabella covers it from the inside and what their plans are it's great to see that coming in and uh as usual we have tons of stuff lined up hope that uh, you find hope folks are finding this uh interesting and that's it for another week jeremy have a good one thanks mate So this week on the show, we're pleased to have Isabella Lubin. Welcome. Thank you. Very excited to be here. I can't believe it's taking you this long to get you on the show, Isabella. Thank you for jumping on. You know, I feel like right now it's impossible to find anyone. We can't grab each other in the office <laughs> and just sit each other down and say, no, you, I need to talk to you right now. So <laughs> it's good to be here. Why don't you let our listeners know who you are and what you do? So I am a PM lead on uh, Microsoft Teams platform. My team focuses on two areas of platform. We focus on how we build out developer experiences from end to end. So how we help developers onboard to Teams platform, understand what it is, understand the different extensibility points of Teams, um, how we help developers actually build out, test, and then publish the apps that they're developing, whether that's to the general public store for access to by other organizations, or whether that's to their own organization's app catalog. And then my team also focuses 
focuses on just making sure that apps work in new surfaces and environments across teams. So apps in GCC, how we can get apps to um, function in, in new, new parts of the team's experience. So apps in private channels, apps in meetings is one of the big announcements that we had recently. So we look after both how we have this end-to-end -end developer experience and then also making sure that the apps that these developers build really work across the entire team's experience so they can access users, all of the users of Teams. And the, you mentioned the recent announcements, and I think the one that's most interesting to our audience is the, I think you called it the developer toolkit, but for, for what that really means is the extensions for our dev tools. So can you get, uh, give us the highlights of what that is and what the goals are for that? Absolutely. Yeah. So the, one of the biggest announcements we had at Build were new extensions for Visual Studio Code and Visual Studio 2019. These, they're toolkits that really are meant to make it easy for a developer to get everything that they need to start building and then testing and publishing an app upfront. So a lot of the feedback that we'd heard um, was that developers were really, really excited to build on platform, but that as they went through the platform experience, it was hard for them to figure out how to get started. It was hard for them to figure out how to actually test the thing that they've built especially for enterprise developers, really hard for them to get the app that they've built over to their IT admins. So the Teams Toolkit is meant to bring together a lot of the tools that a developer needs for all of those different phases of development and give them a one-stop shop for developing, developing apps. The Visual Studio Code Toolkit is currently generally available and the Visual Studio one is is in general avail or sorry is in public preview, but will be coming to general availability shortly. And so, you know, the 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 goal here is really find a developer who knows nothing about platform, give them this cool toolkit, let them get an app up and running in Teams within five to ten minutes. So have have development be that easy, um, and then help them identify which of the extensibility points they want to make use of and how they actually want their app to function within Teams, and make the rest of their development process much more seamless. So all the way from kind of like far new to kind of the F5 of having it running in Teams. Exactly, exactly. And, and you know, one of the things um, I think as you look at it is we really want to put our documentation and just that, that process of teaching the developer how to fish um, front and center. So one of the goals that we have here is making sure that you can get started really easily. The first thing, you know, you could just select the capabilities that you want to build, whether that's a tab, whether that's a, you know, messaging extension and make it very easy for you to get that baseline thing up and running in Teams with F5 so that you get an app that functions, you can see how it works and then you can start enriching it with the scenarios that you want to build out. I mean, the, the platform dev side from a user experience, we've had this across Office add-ins and uh, SharePoint for, you know, a long time. And historically the way this worked was, the platform got shipped and it was just a big bucket of like, here's your schema files, go work them out and work out what you have to put where to get this thing to actually work in the product. And then in in, in both the cases with add-ins and with um, SharePoint, there were like community efforts that came along to like scaffold some of that up to streamline some of those experiences. And then the product teams in, in those cases, years later, started building out, I mean, you'll remember these, Paul, like VSEWSS. It was like- <laughs> The worst name product in the history of Microsoft. <laughs> yeah and you know there was community ones that were quite quite well established by the time they got launched and so with teams i mean we know uh you know, we've had him on the show a few times a week to will and um they had a, he's been working on a yeoman generator around ms teams um how does that fit into this because you know there's always that kind of like how can the community contribute and this being a pg-led tool like what's your approach to kind of moving into this space i mean my take is there's a huge advantage in 
in PG owning it because you know what's coming down the pipe and can be building it straight into tooling as soon as fizzle fozzle in private channels is supported. Um, but what's your what's your approach to that moving uh, as you can move forward? Yeah, I, it's a great it's a great question. You know, I think one of the things that we that I think one of the points that you made is is an interesting one, which is. PG is in a, a better spot to respond earlier to say like meetings extensibility, which we just announced and making sure that the toolkit is responsive to that. But I think our big goal with the toolkit is not to say this is the specific scaffold of an app that you need to build out, or this is the, the specific way that you need to build an app, but help developers who are new to platform understand how they can start building and then making a set of tools available to all developers that are broadly applicable. So how they can have their app validated and how they can publish out an app. So we'll be open sourcing the Visual Studio Code Toolkit so that whatever scaffold you're already using, if you have a great way of saying, okay, every single time I build out an app, I want to build a tab that includes these specific components because that's my best practice for how I build out an app so that you as a developer can take the Visual Studio Code Toolkit integrate your own way of building out the scaffold and you know then use that for yourself or distribute it to others. So I see the Yeoman Generator as one of the many different ways that developers can start building out apps. One of the really valuable ways that's actually, you know, that there's already the scaffold that, that, that's been generated and a lot of people are already using. And so I think with the step of open sourcing the toolkit, we'll be able to start integrating more and more of these tools so that many different scaffolds can exist. And we're going with a similar Right now, we're working with a SharePoint team to, to start integrating SPFX apps as well, which is very similar in that sense of you have a starting point, you want to be able to integrate it into the toolkit and then make use of the rest of the tools that are available there. Yeah, that's awesome. So I, I'd like to, to maybe go back in time a little bit and just give people the arc what's going on, because I, I remember there was a Teams app I could install in the Teams client that was, in effect, the manifest that XML editor, right? Yeah. And so is this the same thing in Visual Studio Code? No. Okay. And that's a great question. And actually, and actually, uh, the, the app that you're talking about is called App Studio, and it still exists. Our goal right now, um, App Studio has been a really useful tool for a lot of developers for, as you said, manifest editing. It's really about configuring a lot of properties of an app. But there's a lot more that goes to, into development than just editing properties of your manifest. And so App Studio itself, will we're working on just evolving it to help integrate a lot more of the, the overall app management scenarios that we need to address for developers, while still making sure that you can still do the same manifest editing that you can do right now. But replicating that experience within Visual Studio and Visual Studio Code and bringing in um, the creation of the scaffold of the app so that you have a guided wizard for how you want to create your app. Then you do manifest editing. You can run your app against a lot of the common tests we run um, third-party apps against when we validate them for access to the store. So it's a way of checking in advance whether or not your app is going to pass a lot of common test cases. And then guidance about how you can publish out your app. If you're an enterprise developer, how you can publish and submit that app to your the, the your organization's app store. And if you're a, a developer who wants to publish your app to the store, having a link off into Partner Center where you can go through the store submission process. Okay, okay. And, and I like that. And so what this new toolkit brings as, as a developer, I'm in Visual Studio Code. So if I have a, a create an, an open a new folder, you'll put files in that location for me, right? And so that I can add it to source control, just like I would expect all my other assets. Is that a fair statement? Yes. Uh, I, I, yeah, okay, which which we didn't do before. So I love that. I love the fact that it's, it's closer to what I'm doing now as 
as opposed to this extra thing off to the side that seemed kind of cumbersome yeah. at first. Yeah, and you you can if you've already built out. Sorry, Jeremy, if you want to. No, I was going to say the the notion that it's not forcing you down a certain scaffolded project structure is actually really neat because historically the other ones really force you down a certain path, whereas this is kind of I kind of like this approach to it. Yeah, if you already have an app, actually, you can just integrate that right away. So let's say you already have an app that you've built out two or three versions of, and now you want to run the validation test, you can point this this um, extension to that app version and then integrate it into the tools and still make use of the rest of the tools as well. So start using it for your all of your manifest and configuration editing. Yeah, that, I mean, when we did that, the live coding, which you were on as well, Isabella's a gift, which was great for build. Um, Nicola and Beth and Shane and myself had already got quite far with that project by the time we were speaking to Karthik and Alan about the tooling. And that came in on fire um, like the week before and it worked. Like it just kind of snapped into an existing project and allowed us to kind of recreate the the package and then upload that into teams to then see those changes coming through, which was really, really neat. What kind of improvements do you see from like, whenever you touch a file that would implicate that the package is changing and then having to manually go and upload that into teams to then be able to see those changes reflected in your, your team's environment. Is there anything you're doing in that space to reduce that kind of round trip? When you edit manifest properties, yeah, so um, you add a new tab, you rename something. Teams doesn't doesn't know that that's happening right now. Um, and so that right now you do actually still have to do, you have to hit F5 again and then resubmit the app and we call it sideloading, right? If you're editing parts of your app that are just, you know, you want to change the, an icon in a tab, it'll stay automatically in sync. Um, so you don't need to reforce that upload. I think what you're asking about more, though, is just in general how we can help developers integrate this into the existing CI/CD pipeline um, that they have. And that's a focus. Uh, we're partnering really, really closely with the Visual Studio and Visual Studio Code teams yeah, to make yeah. sure that we're building out this, you know, we're building out these extensions in a way that make use of every investment that they're making. And so how we do more seamless integration into CI/CD is a big focus for us for this half of the year. Yeah, that's cool. Okay, and then, you know, the, this is, again, just because we can't show people on audio, most of these might be simple <laughs> questions, but we talk, you've talked about, you know, the F5 and getting to be able to test things. When, when I'm working with teams, there's a lot of other things that have to happen. For example, a bot needs to be registered, and most likely I need an app registration. Are you also doing some of that registration for me now, or is that on the roadmap, or is that a feedback item I need to go fill out? <laughs> In Visual Studio Code, we do do the bot registration for you right now. Um, we're working on it for Visual Studio. We're working on integrating more of the AAD reg- app registration registration process as well. One of the things we, you know, we, we announced SSO for tabs um, at Build, we're working on SSO for bots. And so one of the things that we want to make a lot more streamlined for developers as well is how they set up authentication and, and getting, you know, getting users to be able to use, use the app easily. And so doing more of the integration with AAD app registration is something that we're working on right now, but bot registration, we will trigger automatically for you. The getting your app up and running, anyone who's listening to this, go use the toolkit and then sit, you can tweet at me. I'm Isabella underscore Lubin and tell me what your feedback is. My, my general 
feeling just from talking to developers and using the toolkit myself right now is that we have a really great getting started experience for tabs. Um, we've removed uh, the, the dependency on having some sort of hosting experience because you can use local host to just test out your app. Um, so those of you who are used to having to get ngrok up and running for tabs, at least we've removed that dependency for bots. There, I think the, the process is still a little bit more challenging. And so one of the things that, you know, we want to we want to make sure that we, we work on is how we can make it easy, regardless of what extensibility point you're using, because bots, tabs, messaging extensions are all really valuable. They all meet different scenarios and we don't want people to default to use tabs just because that's the, the first thing that they can get up and running. Um, we want to make it so that regardless of what capability you're using to get started, that it's really easy for you to get started. Um, so that's another big focus for us going forward as well. And how do you do that? Like, how do you prioritize? Because, I mean, we're a bit more fortunate in the graph layer where it's a little bit more, it's either there or isn't as a feature. Whereas you've got this competing thing of like, where can extensibility live in Teams and go work with the core product group in Teams to kind of make it so it's extensible. You mentioned tabs, message extensions and bots. And then you you just discussed uh, meeting extensions as well. What, what are those? Like, is that in the new whole area that you can go build into? It is a new area that you can go build into. Okay. So just like we're having a meeting right now, um, we do have a side chat yeah. and w one scenario might be using a, me a messaging extension just in that chat. But there are a lot of really interesting scenarios around, um, say, how teachers and students can collaborate in a classroom wh where the content that they're collaborating on is is actually like in the stage. So just like you could maybe share a PowerPoint, how could you share a, a quiz where the teacher sees one view of the quiz and then the students see another view? Um, so there are a lot of really rich scenarios around just how collaboration works within apps in the meetings context, and that's meetings extensibility. Um, and we we try to use really common concepts and surfaces that developers are used to. So a tab isn't always a tab, right? <laughs> depending, depending on where it is, but the concept itself should be common and we shouldn't be forcing developers to suddenly rebuild, like rebuild their tab four different times, depending on where it's going to show up. So I think that you'll see as meeting extensibility comes out that what we try to do most of all is reuse the common concepts that people are already used to. So that when you build your app, you don't have to build it five different times for all the five different ways that it's going to show up in the team's client. I mean, we're in hackathon week right now. So I appreciate you doing this during hackathon week. Thank you. Last year's hackathon, we were actually there in person and it was like this sweaty tent downtown. And um, they, there were some early projects there that were actually using that meeting extensions capability in there. And you can probably tell me after the show, we're running to cut this out of the audio. Uh, they were showing uh, uh, inclusivity. So there was like a, a diagram of people attending the meeting that was visible and it actually used the API to acknowledge who had spoken and who hadn't. And so you could get this diagram to show, you know, Jeremy's talking for 90% of this meeting and Paul didn't say anything. And Isabella only seemed to have like five seconds at a time. And, and it was like this visible chart that showed up like real time in the meeting, which I thought was like, wow, there are so many meetings that were coming handy to make sure, you know, everyone had an opportunity to speak and yeah. voice their opinions in the discussion. Like, is that kind of where you see that kind of real-time element coming into play with, I mean, quizzes is one and... 
there are all, there are so there are so many scenarios. Um, I actually worked on a hackathon project very similar to that about two oh, years okay. ago with the uh, the the media APIs that are available now, um, and yeah. just how you could process audio stream. I mean, I think you know some of the things. There are just tons of scenarios, both about how you can show content, but also how you can interact with the content that's getting generated in the meeting, and then do follow ups later on, and then you know make make the meeting more inclusive for everyone. So we're really excited to see what people build out. Um, with media's sensibility. I think, you know, one, just going back to that toolkit, one of the things that we want to make sure that we're doing is making it easy for a developer who gets started to kind of abstract away a lot of the, we, we don't want to get them bogged down in, okay, so, you know, if, if I build a tab and I want it to run here and I want it to run here, then how many different tabs do I need? And how do I set up authentication for each of those, those different points? And what are, like we, 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 one of the advantages of having, you know, starting thinking about like how, having this centralized toolkit is we can build out the scaffold that will streamline this experience for developers and help them understand just if you want to make use of these different surface areas, this is how you can build something out and get started really quickly uh, without having to have them each learn about each one of those points individually um, and try to go deep in each, in each area. Right. As if it's like a new, whole new platform to As learn. A whole new platform, yeah, yeah. exactly. It, it, it does. And I can remember the, the building my first messaging extension or Compose extension, as they were called back in the day. To, to do something authenticated on that seemed different than how I did it in a bot, but yet it was in the same project. And then task modules had something similar. So I guess what I'm hearing is one of these goals you have is to try to make it easier for me as a developer not have to think about that difference when I want to make a call to graph to get information during the current action, whether it's a Compose extension or or it's a tab, or it's a, a task, right? Am I hearing that exactly, right? Exactly, exactly, exactly. And we have a, don't get me wrong, we have a long way to go on that. But I think ultimately, like, you shouldn't need to spend a ton of time learning about authentication five different ways. We should stop making you do it. <laughs> well, one day, ORF will not be the big sigh in the room when it comes to developing. Exactly. <laughs> and we both, um, for people who see and Paul, like we, Isabella and I have been working on a, an AV team project across kind of like graph teams, identity, um, and you've been driving a lot more than I have on the team side to try and make that easier. And I think that's really good that there is that kind of like org wide focus on making this a thing and having really kind of tough conversations around how easy or hard it actually is to do that right now and what we can do to improve it. So Yeah, and as an ISV I can I can tell you that that those efforts pay off in a big way. Just just Bot Framework can get me a token for Graph, which is excellent using just the Bot Framework mm -hmm. tools. And so now that I can do a one call inside of Teams to get the current user, um, I love that. And I'm anxiously waiting for SSO to work, <laughs> to work across all those tools. So it's definitely, that is that is fantastic work. So just from the outside, people are looking for that. Me too, because I've committed to a I've committed to a session at an online event in October, and it's all about calling the graph from Microsoft Teams with SSO. So <laughs> we should, <laughs> we we should to talk, chat. Jeremy. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, nothing like a little bit of pressure. That's <laughs> good. So we ask this to a lot of our guests that are in like this dev platform space, um, and it's really kind of and this is an American term, I guess that would translate but putting your money where your mouth is in sense of like what ones do you use like in teams what are your apps that keep you productive day to day and and showcase what is possibly possible with teams dev platform there are a couple that'll that i'll call out poly is is probably the the first app that i started using on teams i still use it today poly i think was one of the big partners with platform before i even joined 
I, I think I, I find, especially right now, as we're all working remotely, trying to get consensus from everyone on the on your team of, oh, what should you know, what time should we all meet? How do we all feel about this topic? It's, it's actually really critical. And so I see, I actually, I use poly. I think I joked to my team that like, if, if I haven't sent a poly on a specific day, I feel like I haven't done anything yet that day. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's, that's the big one. And then um, one of the ones that I was really excited to see that's been a partnership from our EDU team has been Kahoot, which is actually something I help run the, the onboarding um, boot camp that we have within teams for new hires to the, to the group. And we've used Kahoot as just a way of getting people to feel more comfortable in the space and here. Kahoot is a you can you can use it as like a quizzing app so you can do trivia and then people have to guess and give in their answers and if you answer faster you get more points and so people are really excited to do that and so seeing Kahoot come into teams was really really exciting for me because it's been I've used it as a really great way of getting people to feel engaged um, and so being able to have that type of engagement directly in teams especially when we're all not in person I think has been really valuable so those are those are two that I'd highlight and I still I you know I use Azure DevOps all the time, just for, you know, looking up features and, and tasks and all that. So yeah, those are, the, those are maybe my top three. We use Daryl, we do every week in our team, we have a quiz morning for an hour with the whole team. And I don't know where people are discovering these online games, but we've done all sorts of like spy hunter games and um, Daryl Miller, who kind of has been working with us for a long time as well, uh, used Kahoot to do this whole like uh, quiz show, but he built all the quiz questions himself. And it was things like, what was the oldest public source control and uh, what was the what was the code name for this or what was project code name about? And like, so we're all like frantically searching on enterprise search to try and find all these answers. And uh, it was a really good platform, like worked live in the teams meeting we had. And it was super cool. That's awesome. We had, I, when I did mine, the, the recurring question is what, like, what is the average velocity of an unladen swallow? The old, <laughs> and I always, get to, awesome. I always get to that question. And then I realize. Uh, everyone else is it's just I'm, I'm so out of touch with everyone else because i just get greeted by blank stares <laughs> yeah we're showing our ages by knowing the answers to the question exactly. right <laughs> or weird humor one of the two so isabella part of the platform team i'm curious do you have samples that devs can go and look i know at one point there was a, a sample for teams development that had one of everything in it. it was very 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 big and very cumbersome to look at and i know there was some some work toward getting better samples can you give us an update on where that's at yeah so we actually we um have a number of github repos where you can go and find samples for for different apps um, we also have the app templates which a lot of people have been leveraging um, app templates are kind of these plug and chug apps that an organization can take and then use in their own tenants so some people have actually been using those to kind of understand how platform works as well so my recommendation would be get started on GitHub and, and and look up those samples there. But as part of this toolkit, we'll be integrating more and more of the samples um, so that they work seamlessly with Visual Studio and Visual Studio Code. You know, like with, with the extensions within Visual Studio and Visual Studio Code so that you can reference the GitHub samples and kind of pull that in directly. Um, and we'll be doing a refresh on the samples as well as part of that so that we can make sure that they use all of the latest and greatest um, pieces of, of platform that we've built out in the past couple of months. And then the other, the, I'm saving the best for last, right? So the, the thing that it intrigues me the most with the build announcements was this whole publishing to the catalog. And, and is that GA or is that we still waiting on that where I can just have submit something and it shows up in the app catalog instead of having to go upload myself? It's private preview right now. So we have a couple of external customers who are using it out. Um, we're, we're working really, really hard on, on general availability. So um, excited to get that out quickly. 
What, what does that do? Yeah, well, I was going to say, maybe give a recap of what that is. <laughs> yeah. Um, so if you're a developer in your organization, one of the biggest feed, pieces of feedback right now, IT admins are the only ones who can approve an app to the catalog. So, you know, Jeremy and I at Microsoft, there are a lot of apps that are built for Microsoft. So, you know, like the cafe and dining app and all of that. And so um, one of the things that we want to make sure that all organizations can do is a developer who has an app that they think is really great, needs to be broadly distributed to the full organization, that they have a way of getting that app that they built out to the hands of their IT admins and going through the entire life cycle of that app. So as they do updates, getting those over to the IT admin for approval, um, as they, you know, like if they, if they need to change manifest properties, getting those over. And so this pipeline allows a developer to submit an app to their IT admin. The IT admin will see that when they log into their admin portal, see that app, um, see the, just you know who's published it, um, see the previous versions of the app, and then be able to approve it for the whole organization, or using the policies, be able to restrict access to it and you know still approve it, but give it to the people who actually really need it. Um, so it's a it's a much more streamlined pipeline for how developers can get their app over to the hands of the IT admins, and really it's it's meant to start enabling this communication between developers and 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 their admins because we find actually that often it's really really hard to tell who has who has the the ability to to handle a lot of these app governance scenarios. And so we want to make it easier for that full cycle to actually start getting realized at a lot of organizations without them having to set up really complex processes themselves. Yeah, that's totally a struggle. We've run into that ourselves where our, our consultants who are helping, you know, onboarding our customers have this app package and they and the people they're talking with don't even know who in IT is the right person to ask about where do, where do I get this? So, you know, <laughs> exactly. it, as, as you can imagine, it, it, it organization of any size. So yeah, they're, they're eagerly awaiting some of these APIs that we can uh, we can get folks to use to, to get stuff published internally in there. So looking forward to that. Yeah. And one of the things that we were really mindful of um, was making sure that this publishing capability was not just built into Visual Studio and Visual Studio Code, but was also exposed as an API awesome. that you could integrate as an organization into. Like if you already have a process for doing this, you can integrate that API um, into whatever process you're using so that you can take the form that you've already built and then rather than having the admin go and like manually go to some sort of folder and then up, you can integrate the API and then that part of the process will be automated. It's almost like you've learned all the lessons that the office <laughs> and the SharePoint teams didn't get to in there. Practice all of this. We, we, <laughs> third, third product group to, uh, to get it right. I think, you know, that's the thing. The thing about teams that's really amazing is just we're we're able to leverage the learnings of so many other product groups and leverage the insights that all of these other organizations have to build out something that really starts addressing a lot of these needs. And so we're so appreciative of, of all of you. Yeah. I think that the wave in... And the, the wave, and that's not just internal, but it's external too, right? Like it's all the MVPs chiming in and customers of, hey, look, please don't do this again when you do this on top exactly. of Teams. Exactly. Um, but but the, the other benefit I think that we have this time around is just the sheer scale of your org. Like your DevX team is bigger than any DevX team that's ever happened in, you know, SharePoint and in Office and in Graph. Um, so just how quickly things are coming through is really exciting as well. Um, so I, I like the fact that Teams is having such a successful wave, not just as a core product, but also on the extensibility platform as well, which is exciting. I think, I mean, you know, one of the one of the great things about platform is all of all of the external developers who are building on platform just magnify the, mm -hmm. the way that 
that Teams itself can address new customer yeah. needs. So if we kept this just Microsoft, then you could only ever address a certain subset of scenarios. And I think that's one of the great learnings of Microsoft yeah, in right. general. As soon as you start like building out these platforms and letting other people integrate their own scenarios, they do things that you you know could never have even dreamed of. So exciting. Yeah. I mean, I think that's what made SharePoint successful and yeah. has built a great community ecosystem around it. And you know, slowly you see yeah. it gravitating around Teams as well, which is super exciting. I, I think just over over time, I mean, the 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 external community that has has been so valuable for really every phase that we've we've had. Yeah, that's cool. So you mentioned your folks can find you on Twitter before. I'm guessing that that's the best place to send bug reports right now. I'm just joking, but <laughs> yeah. Jeremy does that to me. Jeremy oh, does so do so that to me. I did. I did loop you in on one the other day. I'm sorry. Oh, no, I'll allow it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, you know, you can tweet me and I'll send you a catch if in response and that will be, that will solve your bug. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but, uh, And so, I mean, but for, if folks do have feedback, they want to get back to, to the, the platform team, not necessarily the team's team, but just the, this developer platform team. What, what's the best of a method they should use to try to get uh, feedback in front of you folks? Right now, user voice is really the, the best forum in general. It's used a lot for end user feedback, but we really want to be hearing a lot more from developers as well. And then, you know, if you have specific feedback on this technical documentation isn't clear, this thing doesn't, I think you've described in a way that doesn't really work well, use GitHub. We have, a you know, a great set of people who are doing a documentation who really love to hear that type of feedback and are super responsive to it. There's also a link on our, on our docs about like where you should go for different types of feedback. So definitely use that as a good guide. So, so which GitHub organization would this be in? Is that is there an MS Teams one or is it just the core Microsoft org? Do you... We're in Docs. Well, I'm guessing if you're in the Docs and you on the review, yeah, the review section at the bottom, when you file an, uh, a review comment there, it will create the GitHub issue automatically for you in the in their repo so you don't actually, actually you don't need to know whereabouts in github it is the docs platform kind of magically does it for you okay and the app templates and samples are linked off to the docs too then i guess to, yes. just to close the loop on that so folks can find them yeah so okay it was the akms that teams dev docs is what i remember as being a short link before so that should uh, we'll put that in the show notes if it still works and the way I learned very quickly for Teams, um, which was prior to build, it was like the previous build where I presented with Nick Kramer and we were building bots and using the graph, um, was the MS Learn content uh, that's there for the whole Microsoft 365 developer certificate as well. So there's like a, a series of graph modules, but there's Teams modules there too. So yeah. if you're wanting kind of more of structured learning rather than the, I mean, I typically just do it by like trying to build something and googling away but if you want a more structured learning that ms learn course is actually really good for that too yeah and it's definitely i mean just in general the learn content gets refreshed the engineering team reviews it really really yeah. often to make sure that it stays up to date so it's a great way of getting started as well and now is there anything that i forgot to ask you about uh, with all your recent announcements or any roadmap items that you want to <laughs> call out to folks uh... i think just in general we're so excited to engage with the community more we're, we're so excited to, to see what you build, to hear what you have to say, to be super responsive to feedback. I think Teams in general is growing so fast that if we don't listen to what our customers need, we're going to go off and build the wrong thing. And so when I, I said tweet it, I do genuinely mean tweet at me. When we have a, a monthly developer community call, um, we're looking at how we can engage more there. So really just please reach out, let us know what you think, um, let us know what you need. And we're really excited to make sure that the things that we build meet what our community needs. 
And you've got some cool new dev advocates as well that are signed up to fly the flag That's for Microsoft Teams too. So yeah. <laughs> some TBDs to announce, but yeah, I'm excited to see what some of those folks do. So that's good. So thanks for giving us your time, Isabel. It's uh, been wonderful, great news. And we'll, of course, we'll put links to everything in the show notes for folks. And look forward to getting you back on the show after Ignite's over with all the new goodies you've got going. That sounds great. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Microsoft 365 Developer Podcast. Please follow us on Twitter at M365DevPodcast and check out our show notes at www.M365DevPodcast.com. To help us spread the word, we'd really appreciate it if you could retweet our episode tweets and give us a review on iTunes. 